two words really irritate me, and they're used again and again by both the government and uh, especially now the Labour opposition. Those words are unleash and unlock. And they're used to describe piles of money, heaps of the stuff that are being held back from going forward into investment in the economy and then leveraging up all sorts of private finance to support them. It's as if there's a free lunch out there which Chancellor after Chancellor has been looking to unlock from pension funds and life assurance businesses. And once unlocked, this will unleash an enormous surge in investment. As with all such nice political slogans, there's a reality behind them which is altogether less appealing and one that politicians in particular are not that keen to tell us. When it comes to unlocking and unleashing these funds, there's a problem about them. They're somebody else's savings. And that means that these savers, having decided through their funds, etc., to do various things with their money, now are going to be told, no, 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 you've missed this great opportunity, not only to your own benefit, but the benefit of the economy as a whole. And the trouble with this is that not only are the sums of British pension funds and their life savings with just British contributions, pretty small. We don't save enough to handle our pensions properly. But they're a sideshow to what is really required. And that is a much bigger sum of money. And that's going to come mainly from foreigners. Why foreigners? And what's the problem about unleashing and unlocking all that foreign money out there which presumably has got nowhere else to go to the United States, Europe, or anywhere else in the world. Well, the problem with it is that our reliance on foreign savers is built upon the notion that overall, we don't save enough. Savings have to equal investment, and savings in the UK have been poor for quite a long time, and they're pretty poor now, and not a smidgen of what's required to deal with the great net zero, water investment, communications investment, transport, uh, and so on and so forth. Well, why don't we save? Well, the answer is we in the UK love living way beyond our means and no politician actually wants to tell us this really inconvenient truth. We import a great deal more than we export deficits now are some of the largest since the middle of the Second World War. And that might seem a sort of technicality about the current account of the balance of payments, but it has a common sense practical implication. Foreigners have to lend us the money to consume beyond our means. So they sell us the goods and then lend us the money to pay for them. If you're the United States and you're a big global economy, You could probably get away with that. But as the UK, now particularly post-Brexit, that's not really an option for us. 
So first of all, we have to borrow to consume beyond our means before we get anywhere near savings. The second thing is that households don't save very much. It's true that there are pension funds, but if you look at the bigger picture, whenever there's even the slightest shock to the economy, well, we go on and unwind even the meagre savings we have. So household savings are too low and too low relative to our aspirations to spend, particularly when we retire. The corporate sector hardly reinvests retained earnings at all. There just aren't many retained earnings because they pay them out at dividends. And when it comes to the government, the government's deficits are there for all to see. And despite all the pledges from both the government and the Labour Party to only borrow to invest, that's not what's going on, nor is it what's going to go on for some time to come. So the question then becomes, as beggars, beggaring foreigners to lend us the money, can we be choosy and picky about who lends to us and on what terms? And can we do the sorts of things which have finally dawned on regulators and government when it comes to some of the abuses that have been going on in particularly the water sector, but more generally across the privatised industries. With so much investment to do, we have a choice. Either we carry on begging foreigners to lend it to us and then have to seek terms with our lenders, or we turn ourselves not into beggars, but savers, and we have to stump up the money ourselves. So let's first think about begging the foreigners. You know, it's not a very good approach to begging foreigners to invest, to say to them, well, you know, we've let you, through poor regulation, make excess dividends. We've let you engage in extraordinary financial engineering. And we've let you leave our utilities, not with spanking new investments, but rather burnt out balance sheets. And we're now going to clamp down on you. So what we're going to do is we're going to really control those dividends. We're going to tell you to put more money into these companies. And you're going to do all of that because we tell you to do so. Well, it takes a smidgen of a second to have a look at the shambles at Thames Water and to see the consequences of just this kind of financial engineering, which our regulators allowed to happen, and ask yourself, how are the investors going to respond? Because after all, we're going to need the money to do the rebuilding of the sewers, fix the leaks, supply water into the future, and turn our rivers into something reasonably decent going forward. We need the money, and we're going to tell those people who've been giving us the money, well, look, you're going to have to change your ways you're going to have to put the money in. You're going to have to do it. And uh, there's a problem here, which is that neither the Labour Party nor the Conservative Party seems to understand that investment is a voluntary activity. And the Thames mess displays this in spades. The investors are being asked to put in another billion, maybe even up to three billion into the business to stabilise what's there. And they're going to be reluctant. That's why there's a crisis. If they just turn around and say, here's the money, 
we invest the equity into the business, then we wouldn't be reading all over the newspapers about potential for renationalizing Thames Water, etc. So if we're the beggars, it's not clear we can be the choosers. And it's pretty obvious that foreign investors have got lots of other places to go. So what do we do? Do we just kowtow to these investors? We say, look, we're not going to regulate dividends properly. We're not going to regulate balance sheets. We're not going to try to get the debt down and put more equity in. We're going to just accept your terms because we want to live beyond our means. We don't save enough ourselves, so we have nowhere else to go. Well, not necessarily. There's a perfectly straightforward solution to this problem. It's just that it's politically extremely unpalatable and neither the Labour Party nor the Conservatives want to tell the public the reality of what we'd have to do. The answer is stop being beggars and then you can be choosers. And what does stop being beggars mean? Well, we'll have to save some more. We'll have to live within our balance of payments means. We'll have to get on with exporting. We'll have to shave back our imports. We're going to have to save for our retirement. We're going to have to save to provide the funds through the financial markets to do all that investment that's for us instead of Chinese and Abu Dhabi sovereign wealth funds, Canadian sovereign wealth funds and pension funds and so on. And we're going to have to retain earnings. We're going to have to change the tax arrangements of British companies to make the incentives for retaining earnings rather than paying dividends obvious. And the first place to go to, extremely unpalatable though it is, is to take a hard look at the tax treatment of interests and the ways in which interest payments and debt, etc., are manipulated. And a glance at the Byzantine structure of Thames Water will tell you that it's very, very difficult to work out what's going on. And it's very obvious that any serious financial investor is pretty good at playing the rules. And government's going to have to get its house into order too. The government's going to have to switch from being a net disaver at scale, running deficits, to running surpluses, so that, that surplus is available. And if you think about it for a moment, stopping being a beggar is pretty unpalatable if it means that your standard of living is going to have to go down, your consumption is going to have to fall to make way for investment. In the past, when we've had to do enormous investment, it's proved impossible to go down that route. So is there any other way of not being a beggar? Yes. And that's really unpalatable too. It's called taxation. That's how the great reconstruction of the utility infrastructure was done after the Second World War. Dare I mention the top rate of tax, 98%, falling to about 83% by the end of the 1970s. Government creamed off a surplus by high tax and then channeled that surplus into physical investment. We were no longer beggars, but we were very high taxpayers. And of course, just as we want to live beyond our means, we also don't want to pay the taxes necessary to support the investment and indeed the services that we want. So you can be a chooser, 
if you choose not to be a beggar. But choosing not to be a beggar means prudence, setting aside monies, savings, and probably higher taxes too. And that's what we would have to do. Otherwise, we have to kowtow. And all this nonsense about unleashing and unlocking is just that, nonsense. It's not going to happen unless we take responsibility for our infrastructure we save in order to invest in our future infrastructures and leave the next generation a set of assets at least as good as we inherited. It's not sustainable what we're doing. It won't be sustained. But there's a world of difference between getting on the front foot now and starting to put that right and waiting until the infrastructures get worse and worse. And we've witnessed a lot of that. Just take a look at the state of the rivers, the sewers, the electricity networks, and ask yourself, how is any of this fit for purpose? And how exactly are we going to get to net zero in the electricity sector within five or six years under potentially a Labour government if we're going to have at the same time to go around begging foreigners to invest and now they've got all those opportunities in the United States with the Inflation Reduction Act and the EU green initiatives too. Not quite such a obviously good place to be, but it has solutions. And ultimately, they all come down to living within our means. Thank you.